So we are talking about priesthood now because there is a there is a connection between a priesthood and our altar. It's priests who administrate altars. It's not just any person and Tom Dick and Harry who does that with respect. Uh, we must begin to wear our robes and garments of, of, of priesthood for us to be able to function at that level. So we must administrate, I repeat, altars as priests. Remember the, the, the verse that I quoted earlier. It's First Peter 2 verse 9. The Bible says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So you and I are priests to the Lord. We are priests to the Lord. I, I listened, I went to this conference uh, beginning of, uh, of the year, Ariel Gates. I remember Apostle Natasha saying, that the problem is that most priests have gone AWOL, absent without leave. God is looking for priests to administrate altars in the earth so that things can begin to shift, things can begin to move. There are those, I must tell you, who would hijack, uh, sorry, hijack altars, yet they are not wearing the, the garments of priesthood. So as soon as you do that, because they think that altars is all just about power and just receiving power because we have this uh, appetite for power. You know, we just want power, which is, which is what God wants us to have, but we need to do that within the protocols of, of, of the kingdom and holiness. So she says, most of us, we, we have gone AWOL. God is looking for priests, but he, 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 he cannot find them. She says, God cannot find his priesthood in the earth. So I said before, the world is moving into a new era, Bazalwan. I want you to understand that. With what is happening today with coronavirus, I want you to know that there is a shift in the earth. So when that happens, there is also going to be a realignment in the church, in the house of God. The house of God cannot remain the same. We need to take off the blinkers of denominationalism, take off the blinkers of whatever, of religion. It's the worst thing that has ever happened to the earth, religion. We must begin to move with God. So whatever God is going to do, it must first take place in the church before it manifests in the world. It's, it's, a, it's a biblical principle. First spirit, then flesh. First spirit, then natural. So in this next phase, dear family, you will have credit. I wanted to understand these things I'm saying to you. In the next phase where, where the world is going, and the, and the principalities and powers are ready for it because they know. They, they engineer these things because they want the world to go in a particular direction. You and I will have credibility in the spirit if you walk as a priest and you have a strong altar. They, your credibility and your weight in the spirit. You must first be a priest, then a, a prophet. First a priest, 
then an apostle, first a priest, then an evangelist, first a priest, then a pastor, first a priest, then a teacher. And uh, if you are a priest and nothing else, all good too. What God is doing now, he wants us to bring back our garments as his priesthood. This preoccupation with, uh, with titles and with position and with, um, with fame, it will not work anymore. Now, that worked for a time. You know, because the enemy knows when we are making serious damage on his kingdom and when we are not. But I am telling you, Bazalwani, I am telling you by the Spirit of God that if you are going to make it, if you and I are going to shift things, get used to the word shift, because we, are, we must be shifters. We must shift things. Shift things. Something that is sick must be healed. That's where we are moving into. A body... I have an intolerance for a prayer that does not produce results. So what God is preparing you and I and us as, 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 as a ministry is to begin to be shifters. When we pray, something must happen. When someone is, is um, possessed by demonic spirits and we pray for them, someone is sick, they must get healed. So we then need to begin to walk in a new dimension uh, in God, in Jesus' name. So I said before, to be a priest, Bazalwan, you and I need a sacrifice and we need an altar. Now, we must walk as priests. In this next phase, there will be emphasis. I want you to listen, Bazalwan, in Jesus' name. In this next phase, we are going into, I'm trying to avoid the word season. I don't want to use these words that are trending in this next season, which is fine too. I prefer, I can use season, I can use the next phase on the next stage, whatever it is. But in the next season that we are moving into, these four things are going to be crucial. I want you to write them down. Because without them, nothing is going to happen. We are going to be moving around circles. Remember Usamson is trading around, trading around the mill, grinding. Going nowhere slowly. Now, the time for the gospel that does not produce results is over. We must pray. We must do whatever it takes for us to have impact on the world. How does the world begin to place, even to show interest in a gospel that does not have corresponding results? So, God is restoring these things because it hurts him. When we, his people in the earth, supposed to be representing him, are not shifting, shifting things. Remember, he said, we are to bind and to loose. That's what he said. That's our job in the earth. We bind and to loose. That's, that's us. So there are four things. Number one is repentance. Repentance, God is going to, is restoring these four things, if the church is going to be restored to be the force to be reckoned with, if you, my friend, are going to be taken seriously in, in the spirit, Re repentance, number one. Number two, it's holiness. Now, whether you and I like that or not, remember, that's not necessarily important because what is important is what is happening in the atmosphere 
And what we know, the Holy Spirit is saying, repentance, one. Number two, holiness. Number three, sacrifice. Number four, strong altar. Let me repeat those. Repentance, penduk, like we have taught. And then you, you, you have read that book on, on repentance uh, from Ariel Gate. And you must read that. And, and, and if there's any other material that's going to amplify and consolidate, you do so. But focus on repentance and be very big on repentance. Be big on repentance. Be, be, just be, be a person who is given to repentance. Rep repentance is a weapon. Let me not dwell there. Number two, we said holiness. We also need to unpack that sometime. Holiness. It mustn't be an, an, an obscure, it's a mysterious concept. Holiness is a very simple concept according to scripture. Number three, it's sacrifice. The world is at the mercy of the sacrifice we are willing to bring on their behalf. A church given to, to comfort will not rescue this generation. Pastors, apostles, prophets who are not given to sacrifice and spending, dedicating their hours before God so that a generation can be saved, so that someone can be healed, so that someone can experience a miracle. I, as your pastor, I understand that people would come to the meeting hoping that I know what I'm doing, hoping to get something they will not get in some normal gathering. They are hoping that I have spent some time on my knees weeping before God. They, they are hoping that my altar is strong. I am not naive to that fact. So I cannot leave and, be, and just be, and be ignorant. So these are four things that must be reconstituted, reestablished, and God is restoring them in Jesus' name. So we cannot be priests, Bazalon, without garments. I know that we, you know, in the in the in the in the world, and Eban uh, we have pursued the robe of many colors. We, we, we like the robe of Joseph, you know, the robe of many colors, which is fine. It's, it's God's will too. Um, but the missing color in the robe has been white. Mm. The missing color in the robe of many colors has been white, which is purity. We have pursued the robe and there's a color of fame and there is power and there is influence and there is prosperity. But we have run away from the robe, the garment of righteousness. Now, if you are going to administrate at the altar and uh, cause real havoc and rock the boat of the enemy, you administrate at the altar as a priest with the garment of righteousness on, the garment of holiness. We have sought after the robe of recognition to the point where if you don't call me apostle, I get offended. If you don't call me a prophet, I get offended. What happened to evangelists? What happened to teachers? Why is everyone rising is now an apostle. Why is a 25-year-old an apostle? Why is a kid whom I taught in, 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 in Sunday school suddenly, they, don't, they know nothing. They are wet behind ears in the spirit. An apostle, you know why? I'll tell you why. 
because being called an apostle comes with prestige, because we have pursued the garment of fame, the garment of status, the garment of, of, of recognition. So apostleship has become uh, that thing that if I'm not in, a, in to the extent that I would even say, without offending my friends who are watching me, who will be watching this elsewhere, but I want you to, to begin to, to, to declare to you the heart of the Father. I'm saying to the extent that I would even put Dr. Professor Apostle Kabash so that it carries, there's, um, you know, there, there's weight to it. There is a, there's this prestige that must come with it. I get offended if you don't call me such. So we have pursued these, these garments. We have pursued these robes. We want them. We demand them. We demand them. If you don't give it to me, I'm offended. So what has happened is then every, there came a point, family, where I got offended. It was like about 10 years ago. Every time I had somebody saying, saying apostle, some, something would twist in my spirit because I knew the Holy Spirit was not in agreement. Do you know that the most powerful apostles I know, they don't even call themselves apostles. You, just, you can just hear the way they speak and what they carry, that it's apostolic. Bill Johnson is known as Pastor Bill Johnson. Bill Johnson is the, is the founder of, um, of Bethel in the States. He is his pastor. Because apostleship, if you really understand it, you, 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 you will get these things. So, I have been told, family, you know that demonic spirits, they don't respond to personality. We want, we want personalities, you know. Demonic spirits, fallen angels, principalities and powers don't respond to, to personality. They respond to garments. They respond to robes. So if you administrate at the altar, they, they will not necessarily move because it's you. Because I have a church of 10,000 people. They will respond. Things begin to shift. Because another dimension, 10,000 people, you have sponsored membership. Before I spoke to you about sponsored wealth, there is also something called sponsored uh, membership. Where you have a crowd of people who are not accountable to anybody. They come to claim their things. The pastor is happy because more numbers I have the more revenue I generate as a ministry. So there is no, there is no point. You can't, I can't talk to you about serious stuff. You are not amongst yourselves. You're not even a church. You're just a mixed multitude that gathers on, 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 um, on Sunday. All I do, I pick up the Bible. I say something about, about it. I punctuate that with an amen, with a hallelujah, and you jump, and that's it. You go home and you sin. That's why today uh, Christianity is not producing results because they are not all churches, but there are churches that are full of people who are on fire for Jesus. There are churches, mega churches, which, of course, you and I, we need to get into that because the, the, the more numbers you have, the more influence you have in the city. All I'm saying to you is that for you, let me get back to my point, for you to shift things, principalities are not moved by personality, by status. 
by the, the title I have in front of my name. I respect those things because some of the people who have those things, they worked for them and God has honored their hard work and sacrifice. But because of our gullibility, because of our greed, because of our so I'm going to do everything it takes for me to generate some power, something. So I can even go to a witch doctor to get that done. I want you to know God is restoring the church. He is restoring the bride. We must get ready for Jesus to return so that we become a, a powerhouse once again as they were in the early church. What happened in the early church? Let me just slow down because I want to teach. What happened in the early church family was not a fluke. Those people paid the price. I told you some time ago that even their death was a testament to the fact that they were not playing games. They died. They shed blood. They were cut. So spiritual entities respond to garments. You know that when you, somebody gave this example, when you are driving on the freeway, the reason why you would stop for a, a, a police officer. It's not that because they are wearing their, their Louis Vuitton. I, the reason why I stop my guys is because they are of the garment they are, they, they, they are wearing. A guy who's driving a, a, a powerful truck, that thing grinds to a halt because of some small lady who's wearing, isn't it, metro. it's the garment. If the same lady were to stand on the very same spot, not wearing the garment, I'm, I'm not going to stop. Why would I stop? How would I know if it's, if it's, if it's the ladies who, who work here on the street? My daughters that we're praying for. I cannot differ, differentiate. So what I'm saying to you, it is going to be important for us to understand that we need to put back on the garment of righteousness and the garment of holiness. Because you and I are going to have legitimacy in the spirit because of our garment. Remember Revelation chapter 3. The Bible says, Remember therefore how you have received and heard. Listen to this scripture, family. Remember therefore how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names even in Sadis, who have not defied their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So the Lord is bringing us to a place of maturity. Without without us walking in holiness, whatever altar that I am administrating on is not God's altar and God has not endorsed it. Because in other words, I am an illegitimate person administrating at an illegitimate altar. So there is nothing illegitimate that's going to shift anything for God. 
So we then need to begin to move with God and come back. I told somebody, I said, you know, sometimes you feel like nothing I'm feeling sin this Rabusha. If you have to do that, rededicate your life to the Lord and just begin. Start from the beginning and say, Lord God, I want to move with you and walk with you in a new way. I want to receive you and begin to walk. I know that you are doing amazing things. You are about God is looking for us to get ready for the greatest revival the world has ever seen. But that's not going to be uh, uh, brought into existence by a sermon. Mm. You know, Bazalwane, I want you to understand these things. Sermons are important. I am a minister of the word. I understand the power of sermons. But I want you to understand that where we are moving, it's not just going to be what happens in a church on a Sunday that's going to sustain you. You and I must begin to put on our robes and begin to have strong altars for our families. Generations coming, they depend on us. Now, with the time that we have left, I want us to address the question of, um, of worship. I don't know how much time we have, Mamji, uh, but I am trusting God that we at least have about 15 minutes left to begin to, to, to do this. Okay. The spirit of worship. Now, I know what you and I, of course, we, 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 we know the basis of worship in the Bible. The book of Psalms is most probably dedicated to, to praise and to worship. The Bible, you remember, we not here, John, chapter 4. The Bible, but the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. It says, God is spirit. And those who worship him must, it says, must worship him in spirit and in truth. So, I'm not going to address the what I would call the mechanics of worship. Like the words, Hebrew words, Zama, Yada, Toda, Tehillah, which is, which is a powerful word. We'll learn that one day. I want to discuss with you uh, just shortly the heart of worship. So that next time we, we worship, we have a, 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 an understanding. Uh, if there's one area the enemy has also robbed us because of, of the churches we, we, grew, we grew up in, is the area of worship uh, and praise. Now, a true worship is the, one of the main components of a strong altar, a life of worship. So we need to discuss that. Now, a charismatic background, most of us today, people listening to me, watching, and those who will be watching later on, we, we grew up in charismatic churches or Pentecostal, Pentecostal churches. So a Pentecostal church, of course, recognizes the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and the fivefold government structure, apostle, prophet, evangelist, uh, teacher, pastor, and all that. Uh, so we, 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 we were born into, into, into these churches and we, we experienced praise and worship at different levels. Most of us would have been in churches that had instruments. So there, was, uh, there, was, there were musical instruments there. There was baking, you know. And um, so 
we, we, we have an idea because we grow within this setup of, of praise and worship. And others grow up in what we call mainline churches. I remember also African Congregational Church. Um, somebody else would have grown up um, Methodist Church or UCC. Or, so these uh, mainline churches, uh, which were very strong uh, on hymns, powerful hymns. That's why as, as Kingdom Embassy House, we will never lose hymns because hymns are anointed. We will always just interlace hymns. The new music coming, which is uh, contemporary hymns, will be the spine, because power in hymns. Amen. So we grew up in that atmosphere. But, Bazawan, allow me to address two things about worship before, before we pray uh, this morning. Uh, most Christians, if, including, by the way, uh, among worship leaders and worship teams, uh, we, we worship, listen to this, we worship from the outer court. Now, there's an outer court of worship and there's an inner court in worship. Let me repeat that. There's an outer court in worship and there's an inner court in worship. The, the outer court of worship focuses mainly on the, what I would call, technicalities of worship. You know, it's, it's the musicality of worship, which is the right key, the right melody, the right harmony, which things are important. I, I am for that. Otherwise, you can't have chaos out there, people just singing whatever they want. Number two, outer court worship has emphasis on professionalism, which is skill and delivery. So if I play in the key of C and I say, let's go... Uh, up, you must be able to go to D flat, from D flat to D, from D to E flat. From you must be able to do that. So that's skill, it's de delivery, and also includes the sequence of songs. Must all the songs must must be well sequenced, interlinked, so that it flows. There's a flow in. So it's all the outer court of worship. It also includes the the, the choreography. Our our praise may may be accompanied by 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 physical um, bodily expressions. You know, uh, and we may, we, may, we may do these things and, and then go face forward, and, and which is beautiful and it's powerful. I am for all that. And then outer court uh, praise and worship. Some other time we'll, we, we will distinguish between praise and worship, but not today. Outer court worship also focuses on, uh, on the aesthetics. In other words, the look. Uh, oh, I love, my wife will tell you. That is, that is lighting, that is special effects. I have a stage in my mind that, that exists in my heart. Like I, I explained to you last week, that would blow your mind. Because I understand the generation that we have been called into to minister. So I am for that. But I want you to understand that that's the outer court of worship. And this appeals mainly to the soul. That's why you can have somebody on a call. That's what, what, that's what happens. Basically, concerts. You know, the concerts, the gospel concerts, what you mainly, now, there are few people now who are coming through who would, within the concert, and then begin to draw people into the inner court of worship. Mm. But it's very scarce. It's very rare. So this, this, this um, experience appeals to the soul. 
Uh, it has an element of therapy to it. So uh, people may cry because it just it speaks to your soul and, 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 and something somehow in, in, in Jesus' name. But unfortunately, many people hardly ever go beyond this point. We hardly ever go beyond the outer court of worship. So let me now de uh, deal with the inner court of worship so that next time we worship, even in church, when we come back together, we get back together, we begin to engage powerfully in worship. Now, family, I want your uttermost attention uh, when I begin to handle this this morning. Now, in English, it's worship. Now, that word worship, they use an old English word, which, which is worth, worship, worship. So, worship is an expression um, or demonstration of what God is worth. Let me repeat that. So worship is, is, is my expression or my demonstration of, of God's words. In other words, I'm, I'm expressing the words of the Father through worship. Now, now the question is this now, uh, family. How do, I, how do you really demonstrate uh, what God is worth? Because we must differentiate between describing his worth, as in a song. Now, let me tell you, some, God, loves, God loves that. You know, we, we, you can describe God in a song. You know, you can have lyrics. You can have a repertoire of songs, you know, worship, and we, we, we have that in our ministry. We're going to have more. And God loves that. I want you to understand that. So in describing God, so basically it's an expression of what he means to us. But it is not, it's not incorrect, Bazalwan. It's incomplete. Mm. It's not incorrect. It's incomplete. So there is describing God as in a song. So I'm, I'm just describing God. He's worthy. You know, everything that we say in, in, in the lyrics that we have. But there's an element of demonstrating God's worth. Because worship is about demonstrating Expressing God's worth. Now, this one comes by way of obedience and sacrifice. Demonstrating God's worth comes by way of obedience and sacrifice. Now, I'm going to say a statement very few of you may have heard before. Listen to this family. The highest form of worship happens in the absence of a song. The highest form of worship can happen and often happens in the absence of a song. Whether it's a fast song through praise or a slow song through worship. I want to repeat that for the last time. The highest form of worship is not limited to or constrained within a lyrical arrangement. Worship is not a song. Worship is not a song. Music is not the main avenue. Listen to this. Music is not the main avenue to express 
what God is worth to us. But God consider it as worship. He considers an act where we're demonstrating how much he is worth to me. To him, that is worship. I may not have sung a song, but I have worshipped him by demonstrating his worth in that particular situation. Do you remember in Genesis 22, remember that, that particular passage of scripture, uh, Abraham. Now, in verses 1 and 2, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now let's go to verse 5, family. Verse 5 says, And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you, he says. Now let's go to verses 9 and 11. Let's skip the other scriptures. Go to verse 9 and 11. It says, Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. Amen. Amen. When Abraham said he was going to worship Bazalwane, he was not lying. When he told them, wait here, we are going over there to worship. He was not lying. He was going on that mountain to demonstrate that God was worth everything to him. So when he gets there, the Bible says, we understand that when he got there, he sang no song. Yet he demonstrated what God was worth to him. Now I submit to you, Kingdom Embassy House and family, our friends, uh, watching us, the highest form of worship is obedience. For you as a priest, for you as an administrator on the altar of God, for you, worship is not just a song. For you, worship is not just two paragraphs from, from, from some song. For you, worship goes beyond that. Of course, singing is part of us expressing because we, we, are, we have a soul. So we need to express ourselves. This is why music is so powerful. And God loves it when we sing to him. But you must understand that there is another dimension of worship that goes beyond a song. So the greatest form of worship is obedience. So Abraham went up there. He sang no choruses. He sang no hymn. He sang no song. But he registered on that altar. The strongest form of worship that anyone has ever done. Amen. Amen. So, as we close, Basalwan, understand that God's greatest need is not a song in worship. Let me repeat that. God's greatest need is not a song. 
God's greatest need is to be obeyed. God's greatest need is to be obeyed by you and I. If we can do that, if we can obey God, whatever situation we come across that demands us to make a decision between God and um, submitting and surrendering to that thing, God will be proven. That's when we will register and prove that God is worth something by obedience. So obeying God in every area, it is worship in the heart of the Father. So I pray that God will begin to revive your prayer life. God will begin to revive your, your life in prayer. You will build strong altars in the name of Jesus. And there's going to be a revival coming because all of us, not just Mfundis, but all of us will have a revelation of what is demanded of us. If something is going to shift, if something is going to move in our, in our churches, in our cities, in our nations, priests must go back to their place. Altars must be established. Priests must put on their holy garments. Mm. Priests must pursue worship like never before. Understanding that God's greatest need is obedience. Father, we thank you. I thank you for your people today. Yes, Lord. I thank you. Pray with me, family, today. Oh, la rabba hamim. Rilor indris telabarkis. Christoris. Let life come upon the people. Let life come upon. Pray with me, family. You, you, you are on speaker here. Let life come upon the people. Let revival come upon the people. Open their eyes to see. Open their eyes to see. Restore the priesthood in families. Restore the priesthood in families. Restore the priesthood in families. Restore the altars in families. In the name of Jesus and the people of God said, Amen.